Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Here today, we're glad that you're here. Welcome everyone that's watching online. And also, uh, we want to release all the teenagers. So if you are high school, junior high, uh, you're free to go. You could go out with Alex right now, high school, junior high. You are welcome to go. A couple things that we want to make mention of, I just want to kind of put my uh, endorsement on and just let you know from me. Uh, first of all, Speaker's World uh, is being offered again. Uh, Derman uh, Blatnick does that class, and this is an opportunity to learn how to share your testimony. And you know what? We've had just a, a lot of people go through it, and we've had such powerful, powerful dynamic testimonies come out of that. And so if you'd like to learn how to share your testimony, Derman will be in the foyer um, uh, signing up for that class. Also, I just want to once again just reiterate the, um, the uh, volunteer dinner. Amen. This is an opportunity for us to kind of to uh, celebrate our volunteers and appreciate you and tell tell you how much we value you. But it's also a time for others that would like to uh, get involved for you to come and be a part and so you can learn how to uh, um, get involved in church. Amen. So that's going to be next week, 5 o'clock in the evening. We're going to have dinner and then we'll uh, uh, have our meeting. Uh, but we want to enc- encourage you to come be a part of that. And then also, now I know this is a little bit difficult to talk about. Okay, you ready? Or is everybody ready for this difficult one? Okay. So we provide um, here for a variety of reasons. We have children's ministry and we have nursery. Amen. And the reason that we provide that is because we want to make an investment in your children. Amen. We want them to go and to be taught and learn and grow uh, on a level that they can do that. But also, one of the things, one of the natural benefits of that is, is that uh, we don't have children in the service where they're causing a disturbance. And I know that can sound harsh or that can sound difficult. You can even see me stumbling over my words here a little bit. Uh, Because we love children, and it's not like, get them kids out of here. We love children. Uh, we, but I know my kids were unruly in church and I had to knock them in the head. No, I never did that, but I, I, I had to, I had to, uh, make sure that they were away. So we provide that for you. Also, if your child is like at a point where they will not go into the nursery or, or children's church, uh, we do have an overflow room in our multipurpose room where you can watch the service in there and you can, uh, deal with them in there. And so if you'll do that, that would be a great help to us. Can you say amen to that? That's not too harsh, was it? That was not too bad. Okay. I think most everybody understands. And then also we do want to, uh, just remember Memorial Day. You know, this is a day where we remember those that have fallen in battle, and maybe you have uh, friends or family that have paid the ultimate price in battle to safeguard our country and what it stands for. And no matter what the the naysayers or those that are wanting to rewrite history want to say, our our country was founded on godly principles, and it is a it's the greatest country in the world in my mind. And you know, those that have given their lives to protect it, uh, we certainly want to remember them and remember their families. Amen? Amen. 
Well, if you have your Bibles, you could turn over uh, to the book of Ephesians. I'm going to look at two passages of Scripture out of Ephesians today. Ephesians chapter 1, and then we'll be jumping over to Ephesians chapter 3. And this morning, uh, we're going to continue um, uh, this thought that I started last week um, about what I believe is the most important or one of the most, I should say, one of the most important subjects in the Bible, and that is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, there is no doubt in my mind, if you've, if you've lived your life more than 30 seconds, you're going to know that uh, life can be difficult and it can be frustrating and there can be a lot of challenges in it. And if we're going to get through that, if we're going to be victorious in our life and if we're going to have the kind of life that's full and satisfying and rich and, and, and valuable, then we are going to need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? We need Him. We need the power and the presence of God in our lives. I, I don't know about you, but I, as the older I get, I am becoming more and more and more dependent upon God. Amen. Uh, there was a time in my life um, uh, a while back where I probably believed I was invincible and I could get most things done and it just didn't matter. Um, I have since come to the conclusion that is not true. I am not invincible, and I don't get much done unless I have Jesus on my side. Amen. And I need him in my life. And, um, and so that's why I believe this is important, is because I think there's far too many people that are living their Christian lives without power. They have access to it. It's there. It's in them, but they don't either know anything about it or they don't acknowledge it. And so therefore, uh, they continue to live as if it isn't there. But the truth is, the power of God is there for us, and we need that. Can you say amen? And God help us today if we attempt to do anything in this life without the power of God. I mean, this was, I believe this was Jesus' whole point when he told the apostles to wait and tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. I believe that his whole point was, is, is don't, don't go about doing what I've told you to do. I know you're excited about being obedient, and I know that you want to get out and get things done, and I know that you want to do that, but the reality is you're going to need power to get it done because there is opposition in this life that we are no match for. With God, there is nothing that can stand before us. But without him, much of life can take us out. Can you say amen? And so somewhere along the line, we got to understand what, what makes the Christian stable, what makes the Christian able to stand is the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God in our lives. And so I want to take that thought and I want to go a little bit deeper and I want to look at some stuff in the Word of God to see how we can bring this about. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, I need you to listen to that. So I need you to catch something here. Paul's prayer is that we would understand the power that raised Christ from the dead. 
and that we would understand that it is the same power that works towards our lives. So the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that is working towards us and through us. So this resurrection power is what God has caused to come in our direction, but it doesn't just come at us, it comes through us and is in us. And he says, I want you to understand this. I want you to, to know this. And I want you to not just have a mental ascent of this, but I want you to have this in experience. I want you to be experiencing this or walking in this in your daily life. Let me tell you something. Miracles, the reason they're called miracles is because they're miracles. So far, so good. That's pretty good logic, right? Miracles are miracles, and they are called miracles because they're miracles. But they ought not to be rare. They ought to be commonplace. I believe that God wants to move in our life where he is tipping the scales in our benefit all the time. I believe that he wants to do things powerfully. I believe that he wants to show his power in our life. And I believe he wants us to walk in that experience on a regular basis. That's why I believe Paul's praying here. I want you to understand the incredible greatness of his power that raised Jesus from the dead. He says, I want you to understand it and I want you to know it in experience. Then he goes on in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 and 16. He says this, I'm I'm sorry, 13. 14 through 20, he says, when I think of the wisdom and the scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great, You will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. Wow, that's so powerful. You know, the... the, The problem with these verses that I think is that sometimes we look at these verses and we tend to look at them in the context that they are the filler between the rebukes. Amen. See, have you ever noticed that in Christianity how much easier it is for people to buy into the negative? Have you ever noticed that people all the time are buying into the condemnation? They're buying into, thou shalt not. You ever notice that? I mean, have you ever noticed how God is always mad in heaven at people? What always really just kind of trips me out is the Bible says this, Romans chapter 5. It says that 
God so loved the world. He says he, he demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he tells us, he, he, he unfolds that in a, in a way that he says, look, at, I am so passionately in love with you. He says, I'm willing to pay the price knowing full well that paying the price for your life is my death knowing that my son will die and pay a horrible price for his innocence so that your guilt can be removed. God so loved us, but yet somehow when we get saved, all we can see is how mad God is. And that you better get it right. And you better toe the line. Now, look it. I'm going to say something just so I can be very clear. If you're here today and you're sinning, stop it. But listen to me. Listen to me. I don't say that because I, I want to be controversial or provocative. I say that today because sin just destroys you. And God knows that. And he gave us such a better life. He gave us such more satisfying and real uh, things in our life. And one of them is the power to overcome. It's the power of God to overcome every situation in our life. And he wants more for us. But yet somehow these wonderful portions of Scripture are often set aside. They're not cast away, but they're set aside as the exception and not the rule. They're set aside as if, yeah, if God wants to, if God wants to, he can. God can heal. God can deliver. God can provide if he's in a good mood and wants to today. No, no. See, that's where I think we've missed it because the very nature of God is he is a healer. His name is Jehovah Rapha. The very nature of God is to provide. He is Jehovah Jireh. His name is not just a, it's not just a badge on his shirt identifying him in a crowd. It literally is declaring who he is at his very core nature. He is a provider. He is a healer. He is a deliverer. He is there. He is powerful. Can you say Amen. And he says, and I want you to understand this, and I want you to understand that this, is, this power that we're talking about is at work inside of you right now. That power is in you. He says, by his mighty power at work within us, that he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would dare ask or hope. In other words, this power is not something we got to wait on. It's not something that we sit back and go, well, one day this will come. We don't sit back and say, you know, when revival hits or this or that, that work is already in you. That power is in you. I'll say it again. It's in you. And the expectation of heaven is that we would understand it and walk in it. Can you say amen? See, when I read these scriptures, I see the dynamic of the kingdom of God and the very core of everything we believe. Think about this for a moment. Just think about the words that are being used in these scriptures. He says, we have access to incredible, the incredible greatness of his power. We don't just have power, but it's incredibly great. 
Do you notice how God is using these adjectives to describe? It's not just any power. It's an incredibly great power. And he says, it's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Resurrection power is what's at work inside of you and me. And it it brings about his glorious, unlimited resources. Don't you love that? Don't you love unlimited resources? How, how many here would love to have a checkbook where your bank says, hey, look it, we got your back, it's unlimited? Yeah. Amen. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be wonderful that you could write a check for any amount at any time, anywhere, any place, and the bank says, it's good? That's what God's saying. He says, it's unlimited. I have unlimited resources. And if I begin to run out, I know how to make more. I know the formula how to create something out of nothing. He says, I know what to do. And he says, then it's this mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is really the one that gives us the stability to stand. It's, that, it's, it's what gives us that integrity to bear up under the weight of this world and the weight of, of living this life. And it, and it gives us not only that, he gives us the power to understand. This power is so powerful, you have to have power to understand the power. I mean, isn't, isn't, isn't that a mind blower? And he says, and then when you come to this place, it's that place, it's in that place that you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. These are scriptures we need to pay attention to. Can you say amen? But I think the question or the, the problem is, is that what happens in this is power, see, power shows up when you need it. See, when you don't need power, it's like, so what? I don't need it. I don't need power. I, I just, I'm good. I'm, I don't need it. But when you, hey, when you, when you need power, it's a drag not having it. I remember years ago, I had this old station wagon. It was old. I don't know if you remember. It was a Dodge. I think it was a Dodge Valari, I think it was. It's an old station wagon, and I had the, and I used it as a truck. I hauled everything in it. I hauled junk on the top and wood, and I, you know, just all my tools were in it. And one day, I was driving down the road, and I had come down the hill on, uh, uh, coming down Little Travel Hill, turned on Beale Street, and just as I turned on Beale Street, I had, I ran out of gas. I was thinking, man, I'll probably make it to Circle K because that Circle K down there on the corner used to sell gas. And I thought, I can, I'm on a hill, I'll coast. But not thinking that there was a stoplight between me and that Circle K. And I remember coasting and it's out of gas. And lo and behold, I get to the stoplight. And so now I got to push it on the side of the road. All I had to do is push that car over probably about 10, 12 feet. And then I realized how powerful a little bit of gas is. I realized, wow, I like it a lot better when the tank's full of gas. I do. But when you need power, it becomes evident that it's there. And so when we go through the dark times of life, when we go through those difficult moments of life, that's when we need power. But I think the key of having that power to flow in our life is how we respond to those moments in life. Will we respond in faith, trusting God in heaven? 
Or will we respond in fear, believing our present circumstances over God and his word? See, that's the choice. You know what fear is, don't you? Fear is faith in the negative. That's basically what fear is. And you always have a choice. Every time you face something difficult in life, a difficult challenge, a difficult, a difficult moment, maybe there's a struggle, maybe there's a crisis, could be health, could be financial, could be directional, could be in the family, could be in church, it could be on your job, wherever it's at, could be a temptation, it could be a, a, a million different things, but we all face those moments in life where we have to make a choice. Am I going to believe God? Am I going to believe what he's already said, or am I going to respond in believing the fear? Am I going to believe in the fear, in the negative that's at work in my life? The problem is, is the negative is pretty clear. And oftentimes, with the negative comes some fairly interesting evidence. It's like, this makes sense to believe this. It makes sense. And oftentimes, God's on a different calendar or clock than us. And so we begin to question. We begin to wonder, am I believing a lie? Am I I just believing in something that's not real? Am I believing in something that doesn't hold water? Or have I done something wrong? Or is there a problem here or a problem there? And so we begin to question. And then our tendency is to bring that thing down to where now the Bible is going to match our circumstance rather than making our circumstances match the Bible. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I think the reason so many are struggling in their life and with this is because they've lost the reality of the experience of the power of God. For many, the power of God has become limited. We limit it through things like saying, well, God doesn't move that way anymore. You know, that, that's the one that probably bothers me the most is because, you know, how, how, how harsh is God to give us his word to show us moving in wonderful ways 2,000 years ago and then look at us and go, psych, I ain't doing that no more. (laughs) You guys get to just hammer it out. Yeah, let me me show you what I'm capable of. See all these people that got healed? Not you. You're going to have to work through it. I, I moved, I fed people, I provided for people, I healed, delivered, set them free. But right now, you know, you guys are just going to have to work through the issues. Better cowboy up. I mean, he'd have to be pretty harsh to do that, wouldn't he? And, and, and we believe that in the face of the scripture that says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Except when it comes to him moving in my life and he don't do that anymore. Does that even hold water with the word? It doesn't, does it? The same God that moved then will move now in my life. Can you say amen? The same God that was full of power then is the same God that's full of power today. And that power is still at work. It is still active. It is still moving. And it will work if we embrace it. Can you say amen? Now, I want you to consider with me just for a moment the, the story of 
Moses and parting the Red Sea that's found in Exodus 14. I, I love this story in the Word of God for a couple of reasons. Um, the reason that I, I, I probably I, I look at it the most and think about it is because it is a realistic look at how people react to the problems in their life. It's a realistic look at how people respond, and it is also a realistic look at God's response to people that will believe. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to, I want to set the scene. Here is Israel. They've just miraculously been delivered out of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh. They're heading toward the promised land, and they are between a rock and a hard spot. Can you say amen? Commentators say on one side of them is a mountain range that was very, very rugged and impassable. On the other side, there is a, a, a group of Egyptian garrisons that there's more enemy. They didn't want to go there. Their backs are against the sea, and Pharaoh is coming in hot pursuit with vengeance. They're wanting to kill him. And in that moment, they go from this newfound freedom to a certainty of death. Literally, they are living in an impossible situation. Can you say amen? Now, one thing that I've noticed about the stories in the Word of God is that, and it's almost without exception, uh, when the power of God is revealed um, and experienced on the behalf of those that are in need, it's often in those moments when the situation's impossible. You know, have you ever thought about the story of Gideon? I mean, Gideon's got, what, 32,000 men that he's rallied they are willing to go fight against an army of, what, 180,000 or something like that? It was, I mean, they were already well outnumbered. And God said, nah, 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 you got way too much to, we need to whittle this down. All right, well, maybe you take a couple thousand off. All right, well, now we're down to 30,000. He said, no, I'm thinking more like about 300. God always stacks the deck against us. Wait, that doesn't sound very... Only because he is the deck. And so what he does is he stacks it in such a way, he says, look, I'm going to demonstrate some power here that's going to blow your mind. I'm going to move in you. I'm going to do something in you that is going to reveal who I really am. I think we've all felt that way living against the odds, whether it be in our marriage, our children, our health, our finances, our future, our walk with God, or breaking out of some habit of sin. We all feel like things are impossible. We all have those moments, I don't know how I'm going to fix this. I don't know what I'm going to do. But that's the point that we got to make a decision. It's the point they were at as the children of Israel, and it's the point that we often find ourselves at. And it's at that point that we have to make a decision of how we're going to respond. So the great thing is, is the children of Israel respond, very typical, but Moses does something. He, he, he teaches them. Because what the children of Israel does, they got mad. They got mad, they complained, they doubted, they were fearful, and they turned their heart from God, didn't they? The reason why is because they had been taken out of slavery, but slavery had not yet been taken out of them. So they're still thinking like slaves. So this was the motto, we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You ever had that? You ever? It's like, yeah, I know it's good, but just hang on, it's about to get worse. 
I mean, it's, you know, I, I've, I've listened to Christians, I've heard sermons preached that way. I've heard it. I've heard people get up and say, well, you know what, I know things are going good right now, but you know what, bless God, it's about to get rough. Why does it always have to get rough? Well, I, I could, because there's sin in the world and there's this and the devil's running amok. Yeah, but you know what, God's got an answer for all that. And far last time I checked, he's still on the throne looking for a people that will believe him. I wonder, I'm going to say something a little bit provocative, and I, and I please, I'll just say I appreciate your emails, cards, and letters in advance. So, I wonder because, you know, there's evidence in the Old Testament prophecies. If you look there, there's evidence of victory just as much as there's evidence of defeat concerning the last days. And I wonder if the end times that we get is the end times we're willing to believe for. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make a controversial statement, but I'm, I want to say this. God ain't done. And I guarantee you, I guarantee this, God gets the last word. I guarantee it. And I don't know, you know, I, I, I am not an eschatology uh, uh, professional or, or expert even close. But I know this, my God is in charge. And I know this, the people of God, when God was in charge, the people of God never suffered with those that were wicked. God takes care of his people. He's a good father. He's a good father. And so I don't know what all's going to come in the end. I, I know this. He's going to be there, and I'm good with that. And his power is going to see me through, and I'm going to move in him, and I am going to trust him, and I am going to look to him. Can you say amen? So Moses, he teaches these folks how to deal with things, how to respond. And in Exodus 14, 13, it says, And Moses said to the people, I love this. He says, Don't be afraid. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The first thing that Moses tells them is don't fear. Why? Because fear is a destroyer. The first thing we have to do is we have to get control of our mind. We cannot afford to fear. We cannot afford to be afraid of the unknown. We can't. If you don't know, you don't know. So don't suppose. Don't borrow tomorrow's trouble for today. You don't know what's happening tomorrow. Look to God. See, you know what? We, we could all sit here and we could all say, well, you know what? Tomorrow's going to be a tough day. It's going to be bad. You don't know. You could win the lottery tomorrow. I don't know. And that may not even be a good thing for you. Because you, in five years, you might be dead broke, and you say, well, it would be five years of fun. It would be. But broke is broke. Don't be afraid of tomorrow. Say, hey, wait a second. You know what, God? I am not going to be afraid because you are in control. You have my best interest. You know exactly what I need, and you know exactly what I want, and you are taking care of me. 
and you will give me exactly. See, we, we, when we hear that, or let me, let me just do this. When I hear God knows exactly what I need, I don't hear that there's a good father in heaven going, hey, man, I'm going to make life easy for you. I, this is what I hear. This is my negative human nature. What I hear is, eat your vegetables. Isn't that true? It's like, God knows what's good for you. <laughs> God is the author of joy, church. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God is the one that says, you know what? I want you to be full of life. I want you to enjoy life. I want you to rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. Are you hearing that? So we got to change our perspective of who God is. But if all we can hear is God going, well, you just eat your vegetables, then it's kind of like, well, I'm not sure what's coming tomorrow. I didn't like today's dinner. I don't, sir, I'm going to like tomorrow's. So he tells them, don't be afraid. Then the next thing he tells them is stand still. Literally, he says, hold your ground. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, stand. Well, pastor, how long do I got to stand? As long as it takes. What if it takes 55 years? Then that's what you got to stand. But you know what the good news is? That inner strength that comes through the Holy Spirit enables you and gives you the strength and the power to make that stand. You will never run empty. It will not become a burden. The only way it becomes a burden is if you start to fear. Look at my children are saved. My grandchildren are walking in the Lord. Say, well, that's good for you, but mine aren't. No, no, I'm saying that's your children. My body is healed, period. I have more than enough. Why? Because he is my supply. And I'm going to stand right there. Don't look like it right now. I know, but I'm standing. I've done all to stand. And so I'm standing. I'm not going to go by what I can see. I'm going to go by what I know. And my God's a healer. He's a provider. He's powerful. He's able. All of these things. I'm going by that. And I'm going to stand. And then the last thing he tells them, and this is probably the secret to the other two, is he tells them to see the salvation of the Lord literally. He's talking about a perspective of faith to understand the power of God. That word salvation in the Hebrew in the Old Testament is, is another word for Messiah. Literally, he's telling to look towards Jesus. Now, I want you to listen to an interesting portion of Scripture. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, listen to the wording, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What was he doing when he was enduring the cross? He was looking to the joy that was set before him. There was an objective. He understood the other side, and he knew he was getting to the other side. No doubt in his humanity, he struggled. But you know what? What he did is he looked to the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and he sat down, is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, now that's it, looking to Jesus, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, unless, in other words, if you don't consider him, 
You'll become weary and faint in your minds. The reason that we're tired and weary is because we got our minds on the wrong thing. Are you hearing me? When you look at a problem long enough, it will grow. It always does. My problems always get enormous. Sit there and stare at it, stare at it until it gets a life of its own. And it becomes larger than life. And I think the reason that we don't fare so well in the crisis of life is because we react rather than respond. Can you say amen? We need to learn, church, to respond in power or respond to the power that's at work in us. We don't have to live powerless, weak lives, lives that are wounded and out of control. The power that's available to you and I is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 in the Amplified, I love the way it's stated here, says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through whom, him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Wow. I want that. I want to be able to walk in that every day. That's not, that should not be the exception. That should be the rule of my life. So the question is, how do we do this? Let's, let's just kind of quickly bring this to a close. Number one is you have to admit you're weak. And what I mean by that, I'm not, I'm not saying you walk around and go, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak, because that can get you in trouble. What I'm saying is that you understand who you are in the equation. Without him, John 15, 5 says, without him I can do nothing. And see, sometimes the, my worst enemy is me. I get in my own way all the time. I'm always stumbling over my own feet. I'm always stumbling over my own attempt to fix. I can tell you the greatest mistakes that I've made in pastoring and in my life has been when I have tried to take care of it on my own. So I got this. I can handle it. I don't need anybody. And there's a variety of ways that we do this. There's a variety of ways that we convince ourselves we don't need anything. You know, we, we've got this under control. We know. Somewhere what we have to do, just like that song said, is surrender. That we come to a place that every day, every day, we are radically dependent upon him for everything. Radically dependent on God. Radically dependent on his moving in my life. So that's the first step. The second step is to choose God's way and walk in full obedience to him. You know, one of the things that I have noticed about God's way is most of the time it don't make sense. How many know God's not logical? As we define logic. Our logic is based in, on time and space. That means we move linear. It's, it's linear thinking. A always begets B and B gets uh, on and on. But in God's world, it's, it's what's one plus one, dear. Uh, uh, God's kingdom don't make sense to the human mind. That's why we can't think about God's kingdom in terms of the human mind. 
That's why what we have to do is we have to retrain our mind through the Word of God coming back. Look, I cannot tell you enough how daily um, uh, interaction and daily ingestion of the Word of God is so important because it's the Word of God that it's the Word of God that has the power to divide, to, to split apart, to discern, and to move so that you could see clearly. See, in this life, things aren't always as they appear. And we don't always have all the facts, and we don't always know what's going on. And so what we need is we need the Word of God. And it's only in that when we begin to move in that obedience. And so sometimes the Word of God will tell us to do something that seems counterintuitive to the problem. Embrace your enemy. What? Ain't no way. See, I know how to do that. I know how to shun people. I can do that easy. I got that down. But how do we love? How do we care? How do we extend ourselves over and over and over again? And sometimes it don't make sense, and sometimes it'll cost us. And sometimes we wonder, am I really even, is there even anything here? And God says, you're doing it my way. And there's something that's so powerful in that. And we don't always see the results. It might be years down the road before the results of those things come to pass, but it's I've been faithful, and that's where the power of God moves. Can you say amen? amen. And finally, be connected to the source. If you want power, you got to get connected. He said, what do you mean by that? You've you got to be engrafted in the vine. There's got to be a connection with Jesus. Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you should be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the whole point of the Holy Spirit was to empower them to be able to accomplish the commission that he just gave them. And he gives us these wonderful tools and giftings and, and he gives all this, not so that we can freak everybody out, so that we can be empowered to face what we got to face, to do what we've got to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that power, is, it's, it's, it's so interesting. The more you use that power, the stronger it gets. That's what's amazing. You use it over and over. That, that word in, the, in this verse, power, is the word deutimus. It means a self-replicating or self-reproducing power like dynamite over and over and over and over. And the, every time you use it, it gets stronger the next time and the next time and the next time. As he tells us to get connected, he tells us to wait. Sometimes what we got to do is be a little patient and wait for the power. Wait for the moment that you're empowered. You know, sometimes I think the reason that things fail in our lives is because we took it on ourselves. We tried to get her done before. He goes, I didn't say go. You know, it's one thing to go, but it's a whole other thing to stay, especially when you've been trained to go. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so we need that power. We need it. You say, well, how does that come? Well, there's been a lot of people, and I, the, the worship team can come. There's been a lot of people in the Word of God that have demonstrated this kind of power. But there was one man in particular 
that has been a personal favorite of mine, and his name is Elijah. I like Elijah, and I like Elijah mostly for one thing. It's because of what's said about him in the New Testament. Elijah's the guy that prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, and it rained. He overcame all the prophets of Baal. Elijah's the one that raised the dead, and just on and on and on. There was all kind of, He called fire down from heaven. I mean, that's a pretty impressive prayer. When you pray, and I mean, basically, you go, God, would you show up in fire? And wham, the altar's on fire. I mean, you know, I haven't had that happen yet. You guys will be the first to see it, though. But in the book of James, I want to read you this passage of Scripture, and then we're going to just close. James chapter 5, verse 14 through 18, it says, Anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. That's what I like about Elijah. He was just like me. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. You know, the thing about Elijah is the Bible tells us that he was a, he was a man that had a nature like ours. In other words, he was subject to the same struggles. And, and if you read Elijah's life and you study about him, you quickly find out that he was. He, he's kind of like me. I can imagine me doing this. He has this awesome moment. He calls fire out of heaven. Fire takes up the water, the stones, the offering, everything. He overcomes all the prophets of Baal. The whole children of Israel are turned their heart back to God in one fell swoop. I mean, just one moment of time. And then some lady, some crazy lady calls him up and says, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to do what you did to my prophets. And Elijah goes, starts running for his life. That is so awesome. That is so awesome that God would put that in the Word. Why? Because, I mean, isn't that how we are? We... We'll have this awesome moment with God and, I mean, just incredible power. And then 10 minutes later, we get some, you know, a flat tire and we're outside cussing. I know none of you cuss. But, you know, it's, it's so human. But yet here's this man and, and the thing that, that's told about him, because it's talked about in this verse, is the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man. And so what we've learned about Elijah, if you go study his life, is he was a man of prayer. And I'm not here to preach some long sermon on prayer to you today. But the thing that I've noticed about Jesus' life is he was a man of prayer. And Jesus, it's interesting because when the disciples were trying to cast out that demon out of that young boy that was throwing himself in the fire and the water, they couldn't get it done. 
They had power. They had been given that many times, but they couldn't figure out how to use it and operate it. And something was gone haywire. Jesus comes on the scene, and within seconds, the boys delivered and everything. They're dumbfounded. And as you read through that scripture, the thing that I see in that is that Jesus had just come down the mountain from prayer. He'd spent time. I think, I think what happens is, is that a lot of us live our life, we live our life in, the, in light of life instead of in light of the Father. And so we, our, our power bucket, as you were, or the ability to access that is limited because we just haven't spent time with God. And so the, the prayers that we pray are oftentimes in response to crisis. We're, we're praying to get out of a situation. And so really what we're doing is we're not saying we love him or respect him or have, have this understanding of his power. What we're saying is we just need somebody to bail us out right now. And God says, I'm not going to operate that way. He says, I'll give you everything I have. He says, I, I will give you all my power. I'll give you my kingdom. In fact, what I will do is I will make this easy. I will, I will pay the price for your salvation so that you have complete access to me. And it's free of charge. You have to do nothing. Receive me and you have it. I'll make it completely free. You have access 24-7 to me, to my throne, to my power, to who I am, everything about me. Everything is available to you, but there is a cost. The cost isn't getting there, that's free. But the cost is, I want relationship. I want you to spend time with me in my presence. I want you to talk with me. I don't want to just know your list of things that you need, although I'm very happy to listen. I don't want to hear the complaints, although I understand that you have them. I want to know you as my son or daughter, and I want you to know me as father. And I will be there in all those moments. And you will be able to tap into my power at any time. But you're going to have to walk in me. And church, that's what I believe Elijah did. He wasn't a man. He, wasn't, he was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, he had a lot of flaws. He was probably a crusty, grumpy old man. If, if, you, if you read about him. But he had something, man. He talked with God. And that meant something at the right moment, at the right time. And I believe it can for you too as well. Why don't we bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time we have together. And Father, we pray that your hand would be upon us, God. Help us, encourage us, God. Strengthen us. I pray, Father, that you would just cause this revelation to be a part of our lives, God. Minister to us, God. Father, make this real in our lives. And I wonder as every head's closed, every head's bowed, every eye's closed, if you're here, you'd say, you know what, I need Jesus as my Savior. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Lift it up all across. Amen, I see those hands. Anyone online, if you need Jesus, we're going to pray here in just a second. Amen, I see those hands. Would you pray with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you, Come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, 
you're well on your way. Everything has been invested in you. And if you prayed that years ago, it's still there. Just walk in it. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to enter into just a short time of worship as we close this service. God bless you today.
God, give us opportunities to have that power manifest, to be an encounter with those who are lost, with those who are broken. God, that we may be able to discern those moments. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for being so faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer team is going to come up. They're going to, they want to pray with you. If you have any need that you need someone contending for, uh, uh, you need someone to contend with you, come see them. You guys have a great Memorial Day weekend. Greet someone or farewell someone as you leave. Everybody online, we love you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.